0: Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada.
1: With your hosts, Matthew Betts, Matt Okada and John Helmkamp. Okada, we gotta get a new intro, man. Uh, John, sorry about that, my man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, Matthew Betts, Matt Okada, John Helmkamp back on the mic. Tonight, we are breaking down some dynasty rankings, and uh, let's just peel back the curtain, guys, because we are idiots when it comes to technology. We literally (laughs) sat here for about 15 or 20 minutes trying to figure out how to get uh, our audio to play through Okada's headphones versus John not having headphones. Long story short, we are here, we are back, and we are ready to record. Fellas, how are we doing tonight?
0: Um, better before that fiasco. I have been raging at my computer for the last 15 (laughs) minutes. But, other than that, swimmingly.
2: Yeah, doing good. Um, watching Okada struggle and not be able to hear us while we just sit here and BS about other random things was certainly enjoyable. So, uh... Glad we're finally getting up,
1: getting live. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, our listeners might, might come and go kind of throughout the offseason, and that's okay. Of course, it's a little bit of a slower time when it comes to fantasy football. Of course, we here at Red Shirts HQ do not stop. We are going year-round. Dynasty, of course, in-season, redraft, keeper, uh, best ball, DFS, etc. cetera. We're talking all of it. Um, and so maybe our listeners are new to the show, and if they are, they might be saying, who is Julian Edelman on the screen right now, and who is this guy? <laughs> On the podcast, John, for our listeners who haven't heard you on the show, uh, first off, welcome to the team. Second Thank off, you. give our listeners a little bit more about yourself.
2: Yeah, uh, John Helmkamp, A.K.A. as Big Jules on the <laughs> pod lately <laughs> with Ray when he was on board. That was hilarious. Um, apparently, I'm a Julian Edelman doppelganger uh, that likes to talk about fantasy football. Uh, love running backs, love all positions, but running backs really the thing that I'm kind of the most passionate about have... A lot of interest in, so I'm ready to uh, to bring that over, have some fun doing that, and uh, just get this going. Talk about the off season, talk about the upcoming rookies. Got a really cool class coming in. Um, combines in what week and a half? Uh, yeah, it's right around the corner. It's good times.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was
0: uh, trying to put my finger on what the slight difference was between you and Edelman. Because there was something off, and I realized that you need to be wearing eye black. So I will expect
1: that in all future episodes.
2: Next week, we'll
1: go. <laughs> yep. <Yeah>, that's <laughs> perfect. If, if you could do that, John, we would really appreciate that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Okada and I kind of met John mostly through interacting on, on Twitter and across social media um, and followed his work with Expand the Box Score, doing some running back scouting. We were like, man, this guy knows his stuff. Uh, a good dude that we wanted to kind of bring on as a third partner. So. Uh listeners, you're going to get to know John pretty well here in the next several weeks, several months into the season. Uh, he is with us now as a third host of the show. So, John, welcome, man. We're super excited to have you. It's going to be a blast this year for Red Shirts Fantasy Football. Yeah. Before, yeah. Before we get into the show tonight, guys, we got to remind everyone we are on social media everywhere that you are on social media. We are there. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Red FF Pod. We are now on YouTube where you can find all of our video replays uh, after the fact as well as some other you know highlight clips from the show scouting profiles etc all that stuff is on social media and on youtube all right boys let's get into the news i got great news guys news hey News! news 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 all right it's the off season there's not much exciting news but there's two quarterbacks to talk about and they kind of go hand in hand actually We'll start with Philip Rivers, who I feel like this has been known for several weeks. Of course, he has moved from uh, his home in California to, I believe it's—is he in Tampa? Actually, did his family move to Tampa? It's somewhere in Florida.
2: I'm pretty sure he's officially in Bruce Arians' backyard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty sure. That's where he was.
1: And with that, the Chargers and Philip Rivers have agreed to part ways. And, and let's just get into the second part of it because I think it plays into the entire discussion. And that is that Jameis Winston had LASIK surgery to improve his vision. Now say what you want about him as a quarterback, say what you want about his performance on the field. But I mean, the dude was not seeing straight last year, throwing 30 interceptions, fumbling the ball. What it felt like on every other snap. Um, but the the reason this is news because of the, the two of them together is the possibility that Philip Rivers joins Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay Okada, let's break this down a little bit. I mean, let's start with the the Chargers fallout. Of course, without Rivers in-house there, they have Tyrod Taylor as their backup. Do you see them addressing the position in the draft, or do they roll with Tyrod in 2020?
0: Um. Well, I'd like to submit a third option, which is Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. I don't want him to go there, but it's a possibility. It's been going around the rumor mill. Um, but uh, I guess what I'll say is I don't think it's Taylor. I do not think they're going to try to run with Tyrod Taylor. I do not think that team is going to win a Super Bowl with Tyrod Taylor. I think he's fine. Uh, I was hyping him up uh, when he went to the – was it the Browns two years ago? It's like when Josh Gordon was still there and it was exciting. They had weapons. No, no thank you. Listen, he's fine, but he's not going to take that team and get a Lombardi. So I don't think they're going to go that route. I do think there's a very good chance they go that route in the Mm -hmm. draft because they have the sixth overall pick. There's, I think there's even a decent chance that they try to trade up with the Dolphins to get Tua, huh. uh, especially considering the news that has come out. In fact, we should probably talk about that briefly, Bets about his hip and the yeah. uh, supposed improvements or positive news about his hip. Yeah, uh, I think they're mostly coming from his camp, so I don't know how much that is to be relied upon, but I'll let you hit on that. Uh, and if they don't go that route, either with Tua or with another quarterback, um, maybe trading up out of the second into the first to get one later, maybe just getting a guy in the second that's decent, then I think they do potentially look into free agency and get one of these guys, of which there are many that uh, could do a better job than Tyrod Taylor could. So I do not think they roll with Tyrod, uh, but I think there's a couple different ways they could go, and we'll have to see.
1: Yeah, I mean the first kind of reaction that I had to to this news of Philip Rivers officially being out in L.A. Again, we thought that was the the thought process the entire time, but man, I don't know that you'll find another Mike Williams truther the way I am, Okada. I know you like this guy, but watching those games last year, you could just tell from the eye test. I mean, Philip Rivers at this point of his career. Not getting it done, as Okada likes to say, not good not good uh, with the deep ball, and really affected Mike Williams. I mean, watching him literally stop on a deep route to have to catch the ball to catch up to him um, really affected his production. John, let's chat about those pass catchers. I mean, yeah. Mike Williams, of course, a uh, very good jump ball, deep ball, you know, touchdown uh, machine. Keenan mm-hmm. Allen, of course, yeah. we're talking Dynasty tonight, getting a little older, but obviously still productive and still a stud. Very Without Philip Rivers, who f- it felt like he honestly just leaned on him for years and years, are we seeing potentially concern with Keenan out?
2: I don't think so. Um, I'll go a couple ways. Um, one, talking about the methods that they might address it, same as what Okada was saying. Uh, I think a real sneaky option that we might look at as being a, a rumor mill thing that pops around is Teddy Bridgewater. Um, could be a real option, more inexpensive than paying, you know, 30, $35 million a year for a top end free agent quarterback. I could see them potentially doing a free agent quarterback like Bridgewater and also drafting. Like if you give a short-term contract to Bridgewater and then have a, a rookie come in and kind of push in camp and, and you know, maybe sit for a year, Justin Herbert, uh, something like that. Obviously Herbert's been linked a ton to the Chargers. Um the way that Rivers has been playing, I I don't really see much drop-off in play for a next option. Like if you have a Teddy Bridgewater come in, we saw Michael Thomas sustain incredible numbers with Teddy Bridgewater under center. Everyone thought that when Breeze went down and got hurt, when he hurt his uh, hand or wrist uh, early in the season last year, that the whole offense might fall apart. And it wasn't the same. Thomas just continued to ball and do his thing. I think there's a lot of quarterbacks that can get those playmakers the ball and that they'll still put up some good numbers.
1: Yeah. I think that I'm largely uh, in agreement with you on that. Keenan Allen still. in And still a player produces year after year, lots of volume going his way. So we'll just see, kind of see what happens there. If a new quarterback is in town, Okada, you mentioned it real quick. So let's touch on it with two is hip you know I've, I've been pretty vocal all along about this and there's an article on the website RichardsFantasyFootball.com when he declared for the draft I put out an article explaining my thought process on what was going to happen the rest of this year into his first season in the NFL and, and to put it simply his best days are not going to be this year you know it's still going to be probably a slower progression throughout the summer do I think he's available for a team week one yeah probably but do I think he's back to himself no not really and you know Really, that comes down to the fact that there's still a major injury at play. I mean, he dislocated his hip. uh, A fracture in the socket of the hip joint is major cause for concern for not only his short-term health, but his long-term health. And so I think the team that drafts him is going to be able to look at him in the next couple of months throwing. But is he going to be doing everything that an NFL quarterback can do? No, probably not. And so, you know, it's, it's a situation where I would love to see him go to Miami. I would potentially love to see him go, you know, somewhere else where he could just sit for one year kind of get his feet wet in the NFL, and then really get healthy uh, and go from there. So that's kind of what I see happening with Tua. Um, the second piece of news that we discussed was Jameis Winston. And, man, Okada, you and I, we made a dynasty trade last year <laughs> in a league that we play in together. I was making the run for the championship. I will say, uh, it worked out. I won, the ch- I won the championship, I won the title with Jameis, and I had the trade for him. And Okada said, don't worry, man, he's going to be the starter next year. And like an idiot, I said... All right, Okada knows his stuff. I guess I guess he's right. Uh, am I absolutely wrong about that, or or do you think he'll still be the starter in Tampa?
0: I mean, listen, there was one thing hold, holding Jameis Winston's back from uh, like top five stardom, and it was that he couldn't tell the difference between his team and the other team, <laughs> and so he threw 30 interceptions. I mean, that should have been 50 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, but 20 of them were, oh, look it, there's my teammate. Nope, just kidding. I can't tell that that's the other team. Uh, But in all seriousness, I'm really curious to see if this actually makes a difference. Like, we joke about it, and it's really funny, actually. But Bruce Arians made a comment about how he couldn't see the scoreboard. I don't know. If his vision was bad enough, if if this actually makes a difference in what he can see on the field, maybe we actually see an improvement in his numbers. Something – either he's got to fix this interception problem. There's only three options. He fixes this problem. He doesn't, and he's out of the league. Or he doesn't, and he's Brett Favre, and somehow he gets to keep playing despite the fact that he's throwing 30 receptions every year because he's also just slinging the ball like a madman, and he has to win, obviously, to make that work. So we'll see how that pans out for the Bucks if they keep him. If they don't keep him, though, I think there's probably a good chance he still gets a starter job somewhere else. So I don't think you're in too hot of water over there, bets. But uh, I am not uh, sad that I traded him to you. I'll, I'll say that.
1: Hey, anything for the ship, all right, man? Anything for the ship. You got to go for it when you you have the chance. Uh, I did. Of course, it worked out. So we'll see what happens here in 2020. But real quick, I mean, I just want to talk about Jameis in general and Bruce Arians' systems. I mean, you look at what Carson Palmer did in his first season with Bruce Arians, and he threw a career high in interceptions in his first year. Obviously, that was Jameis, you know, to a nutshell last year. That's what he did. And in year two, we saw Carson Palmer really take a huge step forward. That's when he had that big season um, with the likes of John Brown, Michael Floyd, etc., Larry Fitzgerald, and really was a really solid quarterback for fantasy and in real-life NFL. If Jameis can do that in year two, um, I'll be very excited. I will say, if Phillip Rivers is their quarterback, my Mike Evans shares, I am worried. John, do you yeah. own any uh, any Mike Mike Evans or Chris Godwin?
2: I actually do not have a single share of either one of them. Um, All right, the way that my drafts went, but um, obviously I know plenty of people that do. Um, you know, if you look at Mike Evans as basically just the second consecutive uh, Mike that Rivers would be throwing to, and what that potentially does, it's the same kind of. Player, if if Evans can't get, if the ball can't get down the field in order to get Evans the separation and his ability to play above the rim and all the things that he does so well, yeah, that that concerns me a lot for Evans. Share, I think it's just like the San Diego situation. I think that Godwin would be in a much better position in the Keenan Allen kind of role um, than we would see Mike Evans in the you know potentially Mike Williams deep ball jump ball kind of role. So, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd be concerned about that. But kind of going back to Jameis, you know, I, I have to feel like they're going to give him one more year, right? Like, you, you got to think it's the first year for a quarterback in a new system, new head coach. You got to think they're going to give him a, a, a second year to prove that he can grow and, and show what he can. So um, I think that he's going to get one more year there. That's that's just my gut feeling on it. Um, but it's definitely put up our shut up time Uh, for Jameis. Yeah, for
1: sure. Agree with that 100%. We're going to move on. We are going to talk rankings now for our consensus dynasty ranks. You can find those on the site. When you go to redshirtsfantasyfootball.com, if you just go to the top bar, click rankings, you'll see dynasty rankings. Click that button. You will see my rankings, John's rankings, and Okada's rankings, as well as our consensus ranks for each position um, and we're gonna go through our consensus ranks right now and compare those to the consensus ranks on fantasy pros. Talk about a couple of guys that we as a podcast are higher on and talk about a couple of guys that we are lower on as a podcast and you know this is kind of where I feel like the value of of listening and researching and you know checking out other people's work is getting an advantage. If if you trust what we're saying, then you know, in theory you'll be with us on these players and, and you might have a different opinion and that's okay. But uh times will change, things will change with free agency. Of course, uh this is an evolving process. But as of now, one running back that we are much higher on than the Fantasy Pros consensus is Austin Eckler. Our consensus ranked running back fourteen. He is the running back seventeen on Fantasy Pros. Fellas, let's talk Austin Eckler. I mean Last year, a a fantastic season in what was, you could say, a product of the situation potentially with Melvin Gordon holding out. Of course, that had Austin Eckler leading the way for the first month of the season. But even with Melvin Gordon back on the sidelines and back on the field, Austin Eckler was an absolute monster. I mean, watching what he's doing, looking at his metrics, his, his game logs, I mean, you name it, he did it. But he is a restricted free agent. Okada, do you think he signs again with the Chargers? And if so... Let's talk about why we're higher on Est- on and Est- Eckler.
0: Well, the real—I mean, it, what it boils down to is a question to the Chargers, which is, do you want to sign him? Um, and there's one thing that we really know about the, the Chargers, and it's that they don't really like to pay people a lot of money. And if people ask for a lot of money, they say, ah, "I don't care." They don't really have any loyalty. They're—they're um, they're not one of the most highly regarded organizations as far as handling their players. And that I think that. Kind of goes in Eckler's favor as far as being back next year because you don't have to pay this guy ten million dollars to keep him around. Right. He has not been a you know one of the bell cows, quote unquote, typical bell cows of the league. He's not a Devonte Freeman even or a Le'Veon Bell by any stretch uh, or anywhere close to a Gurley or an Elliott or these guys who are getting the big money. So I think by all accounts, it's very likely they can bring him back for a few million dollars. Uh, and see how it goes, and Melvin Gordon is an unrestricted free agent, and they would they would have to pay him that kind of money. There's certainly a lot more than they would have to pay Eckler. So between the two, when Eckler's producing like he has, I don't see any reason why they would pay Gordon, uh, so I think he's out, and with that being the case, it makes the most sense to me to pay Eckler, considering the price you have to pay him compared to the talent he's already shown is a pretty good deal, in my opinion. So I think he's there, and I think he's very productive. I don't think necessarily he has a bell cow role still, and I don't necessarily want him to at all, actually. Um, But with the role that he has had, if he can continue to have that, he can be a very valuable fantasy asset.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, if they enter the season with Eckler as the one, Justin Jackson as the two, and either a later round rookie or a free agent as the three, I mean, John, let's talk about this from a redraft perspective for a minute. I know we're talking dynasty, but I mean, you could argue he's uh, easily a round two draft pick in redraft leagues. Would you agree?
2: Oh, yeah, I I absolutely think so. Obviously, especially in PPR formats. Um, His role in the passing game down there. And now part of that is because the Chargers have the worst injury luck of any franchise in the league. Every year, it just feels like they lose a dozen people um and part of that could contribute to why he was you know so active in the passing game you saw Hunter Henry came and go you know throughout the season with injuries stuff like that but yeah i think in a redraft um if he enters as the one and and i think okada i think that you're right there you're still going to see a one two punch sort of situation down there he's not going to be 20 25 carries a game and and with you i don't want that i want him to get like 10 to 12 and like six to eight targets. Like that's what I want to see Austin Eckler do and just cook in the passing game and, you know, prove that he can do a really good job down in short yardage goal line as well. He can get that done. So um, yeah, I think it's very easy uh, to envision him as being a low end RB one in redraft next year.
1: Yeah. I'm a hundred percent on board. I know Akata is as well. He's a guy that, you know I'll be honest with you guys like last year in season I was trying to trade for him in one of my dynasty leagues and I didn't pony up I, I didn't pay enough to get him and, and the owner rightfully held on to him and now I'm regretting it and I think even still he's a buy because of the fact that I don't know that we're really seeing a situation where his value is ever going to drop off in the next 2 to 3 years I mean the worst case scenario is that some other team signs him and if that's the case they're signing him to be the guy so Whether or not he's with the Chargers or not, I think he is. But if not, you know, another team picks him up, and they're picking him up for a good reason. So definitely in on us and Eckler this year. We as a podcast are on him for 2020 and beyond. Next player that we are higher on than consensus. Okada, I'm going to kick this right over to you, is A.J. (laughs) Brown, wide receiver 13 for us in consensus ranks, wide receiver 16 on Fantasy Pros.
0: I mean, listen... Basically, this segment is telling me that both of you listened to our Dynasty Buys episode because this guy and the next guy were on my Dynasty Buys list. Um, So I don't want to repeat myself too much. But yeah, I think that AJ Brown is nowhere near his ceiling yet. And I think that his. Listen, there is no way that he's not a wide receiver two next year. There's no way. And right now, he is the wide receiver 16 consensus on Fantasy Pros, which is a mid-range wide receiver 2. But there's no way he isn't a wide receiver 2. I think there's a very good chance he's a wide receiver 1 as early as next year, and that we're just talking next year. Meanwhile, he is a second-year player. Not even yet, technically. It's still 2019 season. So, by all accounts, he is still a rookie, but he is already cemented as, you know... Wide receiver 20 to 12 minimum, somewhere in that wide receiver 2 range, just this next year. Meanwhile, he's going to get better. He's going to improve. Uh, he's going to get more targets. He's going to be more established. Everything everything that I see for AJ Brown is trending upwards. And so I see no reason not to get in now wherever you can, uh, considering people are still just kind of viewing him as a
1: mid-range wide receiver 2, even in Dynasty despite his age. Yeah, John, any thoughts on that? I mean, I think, John, you can speak to it. We're in a, a startup draft currently together right now. Kata is not. Yes. Sorry, Kata. Sorry, buddy. Uh, I, with, would not
0: have, I can't have any more. Yeah, so with
1: mine. Kate and Michelle from the Ball Blast Pod, a couple of guys from DLF, good friends on Twitter, etc. cetera. Um, I took him in the fourth round, and I think it was wide receiver 14 value, I want to say off the top of my head. Yeah, and, and I was really excited about it. Uh, What are your thoughts on A.J. Brown, John?
2: Yeah, I will say um, I love A.J. Brown. I rode him to a championship last year. Um, You know, I I basically just played the entire Tennessee stack for the playoffs, and it worked out beautifully. Um, But I will say the hype train on A.J. Brown is full steam ahead. So I am all in on buying A.J. Brown. I might wait on buying AJ Brown until something happens. Like they, you know, we still have to figure out what the quarterback situation is going to be. Are they ponying up to keep Ryan Tannehill? Um, what's that situation going to look like? You have the draft. I would wait for just something, some sort of news to come to just throw a little bit of cold water on the situation. And then I'd try and buy him um, because I will say, yeah, you took him fourth round in this startup. Um, you know, that's, that's a pretty high price tag uh, to, to pay in terms of other assets that you're going to be looking at future round, your future rookie picks stuff like that to try and go get them
0: just out of curiosity since it's pretty crucial to this discussion as you just brought up do you guys see any reason or chance why the titans would not pay ryan Tannehill to a three four-year contract because to me it's like you're going to pay him less than a typical franchise quarterback because Mm -hmm. just because he's ryan Tannehill but he just gave you an incredible season. Why would you not lock this guy down right now before, you know, he goes somewhere else and continues this and risk going for who knows what else they would have to go for if they let him go.
2: Yeah, no, I I'm in agreement there completely. I don't see there's any reason why you wouldn't. He posted, I think what the best passer rating of his career Um, really the best in the league. And yeah, incredible, incredible second half of the season in particular. Um, Mm -hmm came on so strong pass rating was great accuracy was fantastic the system fits him perfectly you don't have to ask him to do too much they're not going to go back there and throw it 40 times a game um yeah i mean basically uh, i don't know what they're going to do with derrick henry i think they're probably going to pay him but i would basically say you're, you're looking at basically just pairing those two together for the next three four years or so and taking your chances yeah,
1: to me, there, there's no way he's not back in one form or another, at least for this season. If it's not a long-term contract, maybe it's uh, the franchise tag. Uh, but he is back in Tennessee, no doubt about it. I mean, you have a quarterback that takes him to the AFC Championship game. He's going to be back on the roster. And just getting back to A.J. Brown, I mean, the thing that I love most about him, A, in Dynasty, he's 22 years old. I mean, my goodness, what he did at the end of year one is super encouraging. You look at you know previous wide receivers – that lead the NFL in yards per route run. And it is an extremely predictive stat. You look at guys like A.J. Green in year one, Julio Jones in year one come out and lead the league. I mean, it's hit year after year after year. And you can look at those metrics and point to an upward trajectory for A.J. Brown. So I'm still in on buying him quote unquote high right now because I think people would consider him potentially a sell high, which I would say is probably not the right move. And, uh, you know, we, we've we seen that actually in a couple of, of leagues that I play in. And, uh, you know, I wish I was on the other end of that trade because I would love to buy him. And I certainly will try to be get more of A.J. Brown this season. So the Red Shirts pod is on A.J. Brown. Thanks to Okada leading the way, of course, in the ranks. The next player, again, is an Okada favorite, Mike mm. Sicki. Uh, tight end for the Miami Dolphins out of Penn State. He's entering year three. Okada, we talked with Nate Hamilton a couple weeks ago about dynasty buys and sells. He was one of your buys, and the biggest reason was that year three breakout for tight ends. Talk to me about Mike Kosicki.
0: Yeah, I mean, he came on really strong at the end of last year, and I feel like it's almost unnoticed, whether it's because Dolphins are so bad, tight ends in general, no one cares, and if you didn't have one of the ones who was already performing really well, it didn't matter. Um and so I feel like it's going, uh, you know, kind of under the radar. But last, uh, let's see, five games, 79 yards and a touchdown. Six yards, no touchdowns. I don't know what happened there. 47 <laughs> yards, no touchdowns. <laughs> Just that. 82 yards, two touchdowns. 34 yards, one touchdown. He had six plus six plus targets in his last eight games. <laughs> and eight, 12, and seven in his last three games. And as I talked about on the Buy podcast, Buy Sell, This was all with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is a historic tight end hater. Um, Such a hater. Yeah. So so I think there's a really good chance, as uh, almost every mock has, that they go out and get Tua, which would be great. I think that I would love to have a a rookie quarterback who I know can throw the ball come in with my tight end entering his third season. I think that that's a duo that's going to last for several years, and it's going to be one that uh, Tua would rely on quickly out of the gate. But even if it's not Tua, with the production that we saw uh, rising up from Gesicki at the end of, of the last season in the second season, I feel really good about him continuing that into his third season, which we have seen so many times be the place that tight ends really start to matter uh, in their careers for fantasy. So athletic freak when he came out, uh, combine draft, it was inc- he was a monster. And I think that we will begin to see that translate full blown into the fantasy realm this
1: next season and beyond. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a PA guy. I grew up in Pennsylvania. I watch tons of Penn state football and man, that dude cannot block at all. But for fantasy, (laughs) which is good. That's what we want. That is what we want. He is an athletic freak. Give him, you know, red zone and, and end zone targets. I mean, he's going to come down with the ball. So yes, I agree with you. And, you know, looking forward to not only this season, but you know, beyond, I mean, There's no one on the roster right now that is a lock to continue to contribute. Devontae Parker, yes, had the fifth-year breakout, but who knows what's happening this year with Devontae Parker. Preston Williams coming off the torn ACL. I mean, Albert Wilson can't stay healthy. We don't know what the depth chart looks like. The only constant, you could argue, is Mike Kosicki. John, what are your thoughts on on the third-year tight end there in Miami?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all in on that too. Um, I was really buying in on it. I tried so hard to snag him but the person that had him uh, in the league that I really wanted to acquire him last year was like the biggest Kasicki believer I've ever seen in my life. I couldn't prime away. Um, And it made me really upset. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm all in too. I think the third year breakout coming, I think is huge. I think that you can look at him as being um, at worst, the second option in the passing game in that team. Um, I I think that he's got all the makings of, of, you know, big breakout stuff coming down the road. I think, yeah, how he tested his combine, his metrics, all that looked absolutely fantastic. Big physical freak kind of reminds me of like the Jimmy Graham mold. It's like, you just want the big body glorified wide receiver instead of, you know, the guy that's going to stay in line and block a ton. Because back in the heyday, Jimmy Graham couldn't block worth garbage either. So same thing. You just want a big body mismatch that you can uh, trust in the red zone. And move the chains you know as the safety blanket check down so i think that he's got all the makings of uh, some good production coming too especially with this new wave there there's a big chunk of young tight ends um in the league right now but i think of all of them he faces the least competition on his own team uh for an expanded role going forward
1: yeah i think that's a great point you know he's He's entrenched, like you said, as the worst-case scenario second option in this season alone yeah. for the Dolphins. So we'll see what happens moving forward. But those are our three guys we are higher on. Now let's talk about some guys that we're lower on. Maybe you want to get out from underneath these guys. Maybe you want to move on. Uh, or maybe you're just not buying when other people in your league are. Let's start with James Conner, the, the running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Of course, the argument is he's a great running back when he's on the field, but he's not really ever on the field. I mean, AC joint injury last year, really derailed his season history of a high ankle sprain on both sides. Actually, we've seen lingering ankle issues with him. So, you know, from a medical perspective, that's why I'm lower on him. We have him as a podcast at running back 22. He is the running back 19 on fantasy pros, John, let's start with you on this one. You know, with James Connor at like, I could see a scenario where he has another good season, but I don't see him earning a long term contract from the Steelers. And there's a lot of question marks to that offense.
2: Yeah. Um, I think that's absolutely right. I think the best case scenario is if he's able to stay healthy, you're looking at one more good season of James Conner production. I, I think that the best days of James Conner were last season. I, I just don't see his value getting better with time, which is when I'm looking at dynasty running backs. You know, I'm looking for someone that I'm going to get at least a few years, hopefully, of good production out of instead of it looking more and more likely that either a he's not going to be healthy enough to ever really contribute again or b at best one year. And then he, you know, doesn't earn the long term contract futures completely up in the air. Where does he go after that? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't see it. Um, I was personally burned by him this last year. I was such a big believer of him coming in, uh, to this last season. Absolutely loved him as a breakout RB one candidate going into this, this season. Obviously the season just fell off the train tracks in Pittsburgh with big Ben getting hurt early. And, um, that offense just being completely dysfunctional. Like I think they were what second or third lowest, Passing yards total per game, they they couldn't move the ball to save their lives. So, um, yeah, with James Conner, the injury history combined with long term outlook for me, not sold on it. I, I'm I'm even lower than an RB twenty two. I don't trust him as being a an RB a low end RB two option at this point.
0: Yeah, got anything else to add there? Um, it's basically a risk thing. I would say like he has more upside than a lot of the guys that I have a few spots ahead of him in that sort of 15 to 20 range. Um, But he also has a lot more risks than everyone above him and more risks than several of the guys behind him, even. And the only way he gets up to where he is is because of the upside. But yeah, it's, I feel like the odds are too low on him having a couple healthy seasons for you, getting a, a contract that keeps him in an offense that's productive. And I mean, maybe he goes somewhere else and, Finds a new home that, it, that he's productive in, but that seems almost as unlikely. I feel like, you know, after an RB goes on to his second or third contract, um, things start to go downhill these days. It's very fast. So, considering the injury history already, the fact that that's coming up for him, it's just too much risk. He's still very high upside. And if you can get him for G, <laughs> because, you know, the owner is pissed with dealing with three years of injuries. I would maybe consider him a buy but that's only if they, you know, value him even lower than the consensus which we value him lower than. So it's going to be tough to potentially get him at the price where he's actually worth it.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I mean, of course, I always say this in dynasty, I mean, every single player depending on the price tag is a buy, right? Like it's a stock market. You got to play uh, around with that different members of your league are going to value a certain way and so in certain scenarios definitely by, in certain scenarios there are sell. so it depends on your league but obviously as a podcast we are lower because of injury concern because of contract concerns because of performance concerns given the offensive question marks there in pittsburgh on to our second player a, a guy who man in the first what five six weeks of the season was on fire Uh, I'm not sure, John, if you play DFS. Okada is not allowed to as a member of the NFL Network. But DJ Chark in your DFS lineups was gold. Uh, He was awesome. He was fantastic. He was a wide receiver one through the first month of the season. But the second half of the season, he was barely a wide receiver two. DJ Chark for us comes in at wide receiver 28 in our consensus ranks on Fantasy Pros. He's wide receiver 21. John, let's kick it over to you, man. I mean, let's start with the quarterback concerns because, A, it could be Gardner Minshew. It could be Nick Foles or it could be someone else. I mean, there's not it's not out of the question that they draft someone. So, I mean, who, you know, comes in doesn't really matter for me from a a perspective of projecting DJ Shark. He's a guy that I've never really been high on. Now that you have these concerns, I don't really know what to expect here in 2020.
2: Yeah, um, man, you're right. The first, what, six weeks, something like that of last season, DJ Shark was just Fired out of a cannon, he was going nuts. Um, I remember my league mate just like random dart throw late in his draft took that and basically started his season four and zero because he happened to have DJ Shark on his roster. I wasn't high on him going into last season. I think we saw more of a return to the norm um, as the season progressed. And yeah, I think that your your quarterback questions there we have no idea who's going to be under center next year at all. I mean, there's potentially, I mean, I could feasibly come up with like five or six different options for people that could be a quarterback there. Um, Nick Foles, Gardner Minshew, they might draft somebody. Maybe they're in the Teddy Bridgewater sweepstakes. I don't know. There's a ton of different options uh, for what could be going on at quarterback. But, um, yeah, I just – early in the season, I think what helped him be so productive – it was these big, massive chunk plays that were happening at such a higher rate than what you would expect to happen. And when those started to dwindle out as the season went on, his value came crashing down. So it was very unsustainable. Ride the wave while it's going, but the wave is going to end eventually. And I think that that's kind of where we're at with DJ Shark. I think that it was an unsustainable boon in his production.
0: Yeah, I, I pulled up the stats real quick just to get some concrete numbers behind what you guys are talking about. It, yeah. it was actually pretty well into the season. I, I would say week 11 was his last week of production, okay. and then he fell off. So if you break up those two segments of the season and look at his paces, that first hot segment, he was on pace for 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns on 82 catches. That's In 11. that second segment, the last uh, he only played five games, but the last seven weeks of the season – he was on pace for 678 yards and zero touchdowns because he did not score a single touchdown after week 11. Um, so it's tough to say what it was. Uh, Gardner Minshew was also hot early in the season. Maybe teams figured him out uh, after being like, whoa, 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 what is going on here with this air raid boy coming out of nowhere with his mustache? I don't know. What it was the jorts at. man. Yeah. All the <laughs> headband and the jorts and the mustache uh, caught everyone off guard, but then they figured him out. Um, that could be the case. It could be that, uh, like John was saying, those big plays just regressed in the mean. But I think that it's more likely that – I don't think that what we saw from the second half is necessarily what we're going to see from him. I think he can be better than that. Yeah. But I don't think it's what we saw in the first half either. I think it both ends sort of regressed towards the mean. And that's a decent but not uh, where maybe he's being ranked based off that opening p- portion of the season. And one of the things you have to remember is that, the, A, the fantasy season is shorter than the real season. So what the, the regular fantasy season is basically that range that he was dominating, weeks one through 11. That's almost a whole fantasy season. Um, and But more importantly, even than that, is the first few weeks when he was absolutely destroying, that's the first image that people get seared into their mind of who DJ Shark was in 2019. And so I think that kind of inflates his value a little bit and puts him maybe a little bit higher than he should be. So uh, by the way, I will say, I think they had to figure out how to use Nick Foles. I think he gets healthy. They paid the man; it's a fat, ugly contract. Yeah. I don't think they can move on, and I and I think Gardner Minshew was not consistent enough to warrant you know taking that job from him next year. So I don't know whether that's good or bad for Chark. Foles uh, is, is a wild card. Um. So yeah, it's really tough to predict for Chark.
1: Yeah, what did they pay Foles? What was it like eighty million or something? ridiculous 80, I think, yeah. like that yeah i mean and and i think if it most of it was guaranteed if not all of it so yeah i mean definitely you could see a scenario where nick Foles is is the guy but is that inspiring for a guy like dj Chark, who like john said wins downfield i don't know um yeah there's just you know for a player like Chark, like i would not be shocked if we never see a season as good as what we saw last year and i'm more than okay selling high on a player like that so I think mean, that's why, as a as a podcast, we're a bit lower on DJ Chark. Certainly, he's got his place in fantasy. Certainly, you could see some low end, uh, you know, wide receiver two, maybe high end wide receiver three production. But if you can get more value than that, yeah, I'm out for sure. Would you like to hear some really hideous numbers to close out
0: this segment, Bets? Oh, I would love to. Uh, Nick Foles' cap hits for the next three seasons: twenty two million, twenty seven million, twenty seven million.
1: okay so he will be the starter
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) hooray
1: hey man when you beat the patriots in the super bowl you get a contract yep these are facts i love you nick you'll always always be my boy for those reasons (laughs) uh on to our tight end that we are lower on than consensus and this one honestly guys i was kind of you know surprised about (laughs) because i do like this player but for where fantasy pros consensus has him, it's kind of absurd. They've got him at tight end 10. we're talking about Irv Smith Jr. Wow. Tight end for the Minnesota Vikings. We have him at tight end 17. So this is a pretty big discrepancy. Yeah. Okada, let's start with you, man. I mean, Kyle Rudolph just signed a, a contract extension last year. But outside of Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, there aren't really many other pass catchers there that really are reliable. I mean, BC Johnson is fine. Laquan Treadwell is a bust. Uh, so maybe we're lower on Herbert Smith than we should be, but why do we have him so low? Talk to me.
0: Well, first of all, I'm gonna need you to explain that sentence that you just said, which was they re-signed a tight end and they have two of the best wide receivers in the <laughs> league, but outside of that, there's not much else. And I think that honestly is one of the main problems for me is they've committed they've committed somewhat, not you know massively to Kyle Rudolph, but he's going to be there. Uh, and they have a great rapport there with Kyle Rudolph. He's one of their favorite players and Kirk Cousins and him have a strong connection. And then they have, uh, you know, two of the most talented wide receivers in the league who uh, both take up a lot of targets unless they're you know being grumpy, which some of them are want to do. Um, <laughs> but for me, I think the main the main thing with Irv Smith, and I will admit that this is probably largely my fault because I have them all the way down at tight end 20. But I think that the main issue for me is just that I don't see the upside for him that I see for some of the guys above him, Um, even in Dynasty. So, like, I have Dawson Knox a couple spots above him. I have Ian Thomas above him. Eric Ebron I still have above him. I have O.J. Howard above him, who we still have yet to see anything anything from. David Njoku, T.J. Hawkinson. So, I think that these are guys who... May be just the same as him on a uh, like a floor level, a baseline level. Like we don't exactly know what's going to happen with these guys, but they're all they all could produce. Some of them are very young, uh, like he is. But I don't see him being a guy like a lot of these guys could be, where he has top five potential. I think a lot of the guys I just named have a top five potential. I don't really know that Irv Smith has that. This offense doesn't want to throw, and they've already got weapons hogging up the targets that they are willing to throw. It just feels like a low-risk but low-reward situation, and I think I would rather go somewhere else with my tight end.
1: Yeah, I mean, Dynasty owners, I feel like, lost their mind last year, right? Like, when when Irv Smith was drafted where he was, which I believe off the top of my head was second round, everyone was like, man, this is the dude. Like, Karudov's gone, and all of a sudden here he is with, like, a four-year extension or a three-year extension, whatever it is. And I'll pull it up real quick. He signed a 2023. You know, I can see this being a scenario where Kyle Rudolph is slowly phased out. But am I willing to pay the price to get a, you know, a guy like Irv Smith, who in consensus ranks is tight in 10? No, definitely not. I mean, if you're going to wait that long for a guy like him, you know, you mentioned Dawson Knox, a guy I like who has a, an immediate role. Um, you know, the Carolina tight end, Ian Thomas has an immediate role. You're you're basically just saying, you know, are you waiting on the the talent to develop to see the field? Or are you gonna take a player that has more of an immediate impact on the field and I'm gonna take the immediate impact on the field? That's where I am. John, what are your thoughts on Irv Smith?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, in the startup that we were talking about that we're in right now, I actually took Irv Smith today um as my uh second tight end. I think he went somewhere tight end twenty. Yeah. I think that's where he went that's where So there you stat. go. I mean he he went something like tight end twenty um in this draft. He went right ahead of Will Disley. And then after that is Jay Sternberger. And that's all that's left on the board <laughs> at that point. So he was just sitting there staring at me for a few rounds. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, if the value is just going to keep dropping, I'll I'll take a startup as my tight end two, where I know that it's going to take a while because I think that it will with him because of the situation on the team. This offense does not run through the tight end anymore, um, especially not between the twenties, right? Like they will occasionally go to Kyle Rudolph for the touchdown, but Kyle Rudolph's still there. Like what what is Herb Smith's role in this offense? It is Dalvin Cook and a lot of it. And then you have Adam Thielen and Stephon Dix. So, um, yeah, I think he's a very athletic guy. I think he's got some talent. A, a dynasty tight end 10 is the consensus on dynasty pros. I don't see that at all. I, I, I think that's way off the mark. Um, yeah, I have him actually as my tight end 17, um, which is what our consensus is as a group, but not, not a tight end 10. That's, that's too steep.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like the player. I like his talent, you know, good prospect coming out of Alabama, but yeah, if you're getting tight end 10 value sell, sell, sell for sure. I think we're all in agreement on that.
2: You're drafting a tight end one. That's not going to produce for you now. How does that that work?
1: Yeah, for sure. Go get Mike Kosicki trade away Irv Smith and get something else on top. That's our recommendation as a podcast. Okay, fellas, I'm excited about this new segment we are doing. It is called, Dude, are you nuts? And it is brought to you by our sponsor, Nuts and More, which is the perfect sponsor for this podcast. Uh, nuts and More, Okada and I have talked about it before. Listen guys, these, you know, products and these sponsors that we bring on, Okada and I want to truly believe in them and actually trust them to be able to promote their product. And these guys do a great job. They have different nut butters, so almond butters, um, you know, peanut butters that have more protein than regular Nut butters than your regular peanut butter. So it's great for people that are active, trying to meet those New Year's resolution goals. And the flavors are so freaking good, guys. I use these products. They are so good. Cookies and cream and chocolate chip. Um, I saw like a a pretzel, chocolate-covered pretzel, like almond flavor. I I bought it today. Uh, Man, it is so good. And with our promo code REDSHIRTS, you can get 15% off your order today. All you have to do is go to nutsandmore.com slash red shirts enter that code red shirts for 15 percent off your order today all right fellas i am in control of the podcast as of now i will be on the hot street hot seat later tonight when you guys you know grill me but Okada, we're gonna kick it over to you dude mm. are you nuts tyler boyd at wide receiver 18 john and i have him at wide receiver 28 what is going on
0: um i am not nuts Betts, despite the fact that I am the one who ate peanut butter out of a jar with a spoon <laughs> alive on this show, I am quite sane. I will let never be, forget let, that. No, nobody <laughs> will. It will go down in history. But uh, uh, listen, let me begin with this, Bets. Can you tell me what number wide receiver Tyler Boyd was last season in PPR? I mean, based off the way you're phrasing that question, I
1: feel like it has to be wide receiver 18.
0: It is a wide receiver 18, right (laughs) on the dot. Now, I ask you this. Who were his quarterbacks last
1: year? Uh, Matt Okada and John Helmkamp. Yeah, Yeah.
0: pretty much. Uh, I haven't seen John throw, but I can't imagine it would be much worse than either of the quarterbacks they had. (laughs) Andy Dalton had the lowest passer rating in the league, and it was so bad that he got benched for Ryan Finley out of NC State who was so bad that he got re-benched, and they brought Andy Dalton back in (laughs) just to play the season out, which it is the worst possible sign when you give up on your season and go to a rookie to see what you have, and that lasts three games, and you bring your old starter back in because he's so bad. So it can only go up no matter who else they got. I don't care if they went out and signed some uh, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota. It honestly doesn't matter where they went. But they're not going any of those routes, Bets? No, they don't have to go to Marcus Mariota. They don't have to go to Teddy Bridgewater because they get to go right to the number one pick. They get to go to Roger Goodell and say, here, Roger, take this card. And you know what's written on this card? The name Joe Burrow. Mmm. <laughs> what a beautiful name. Joe Burrow is going to be the quarterback in Cincinnati Bengals for the next 20 years. I have a young extremely talented, contested catch beast, good route runner, explosive playmaker in Tyler Boyd, who was the wide receiver 18 in 2019 with trash quarterback play. And he's about to get a, by all prospects accounts, arguably a top 10 quarterback in the league for the next couple decades, potentially higher than that based off what most people see bro as, you know, as a prospect. And you're telling me that you don't want that guy in your top 18 dynasty wide receivers? I I don't know how the question here is not, why are you two not nuts?
1: (laughs) That's a pro move, flipping it back on the other two. Facts! (laughs) Well done, Okada, defending your case. Hey man, listen, this is where I'm at. Tyler Boyd's talented. He is a good wide receiver. And you and I talked last offseason extensively about Tyler Boyd because you were doing the scouting academy and you were learning how to scout wide receivers and you said, bets you got to trust me. Tyler Boyd is the real deal, and I did. And I I probably reached for him a few rounds earlier than I should have, and maybe that's why I'm a little bit jaded on Tyler Boyd. But for me, and this is more of a short-term outlook, I don't know that Joe Burrow is going to support Tyler Boyd the way that you think he is this season, and certainly beyond it could happen. But when you look back on historical data, it is very strongly supportive that rookie wide receivers, I'm, I'm sorry, rookie quarterbacks, Do not support wide receivers in year one um, to the point that we want them to be in fantasy, meaning high-end wide receiver two, mid-range wide receiver two, and definitely not wide receiver one. So, you know, for Tyler Boyd, like, I I like the guy. I'm just not willing to rank him the way that you will. And certainly, you know, I'm going to remember this conversation, and I'm going to try to buy Tyler Boyd either midway through the season or next year if he has a down year. John, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, um, same situation. I was super high on Tyler Boyd coming into last season. He had all the hype around him in the world. Uh, people, you know, pointing to the success that he had with AJ Green on the field and how you know he'll be a natural, uh, be able to take over as that wide receiver one uh, in Cincinnati. Um, I'm in a very similar situation. I-, I think that the the best prospects in the world coming out of college, I can't guarantee how that's going to translate to the next level. Um, I think there's a lot of question marks there on the team, not necessarily if it's just Joe Burrow. What is that offensive line going to be like? Is Joe Burrow going to get pummeled into the ground for the first six weeks and then see ghosts for the rest of the year? I don't (laughs) know what's going to happen with that team. So to me, there's too many question marks. And also his numbers, Boyd's numbers, without A.J. Green on the field, are not as good as when AJ Green is there. He has not shown that he can fully translate into being a team's wide receiver one. He operates way better as a high-end wide receiver two on his own team. So with the AJ Green questions, I don't know if he's coming back or not. If he is, is he healthy? What's the offensive line going to look like? Is Joe Burrow really going to translate and, and dominate? It's entirely possible, but it might take him a few years to get there. And I'm not buying in, I'm not ponying up for my team's wide receiver too, which is how you're valuing him without having some of those questions answered first. Uh,
0: I will say, just as, you know, we'll throw away to help answer these questions. They did draft an offensive lineman in the first round who did not get to play a single game yeah. because he was injured uh, in Jonah Williams. And That's they, have, they <laughs> have the 33rd overall pick in the draft, which is basically a first round pick. I mm-hmm. think there's a very good chance they go for an offensive lineman there. Yep. So they could have two near first rounders helping the offensive line starting next season. I think it can get better from here, and I, I think Burrow can overcome a lot of the crap
1: by himself because he's good. Yep, very good. We'll very find we out.
2: Agree to disagree.
1: Yeah, we'll find out. All right, John, you are next. On the hot seat, uh, let's go with one guy that, man, Okada and I were super, super high on. Our consensus ranks last year had this guy as a top five wide receiver. I was burned by this player. I know Okada was as well. Juju Smith-Schuster coming in for Okada and I. uh, Respectively, I am at uh, 10. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm looking at the wrong numbers, there. That is incorrect. I'm at wide receiver 7. John, wide receiver, fifteen. Dude, are you nuts? <laughs>
2: uh, no, no, I'm not. And here's why. Um, same situation as when I'm looking at valuing these wide receivers. Um, I kind of have the same process through go- going through my head with Juju Smith-Schuster as I do with Tyler Boyd. There's so much in uncertainty in that team and his ability to translate to being a wide receiver one. Um. Juju is incredibly talented and incredibly young, which is amazing for him on a long-term uh, you know, perspective. I, I love his – he's 22, I think, uh, if, if that's right now. I can't remember, but he's still very young, um, and that bodes well. However, a wide receiver transitioning from being a wide receiver two to a wide receiver one and being the guy that the defense across from you tries to take out of the picture – With the cornerback, one, their lockdown guy, is a very big jump to make. It's very challenging. I don't know if he can do that. He didn't show it this last year. Obviously, quarterback play, atrocious. I get that. I'm well aware of the awful quarterback play that was there. I don't know what Ben Roethlis- Roethlisberger is going to look like other than a caveman uh, when he comes back this fall. <laughs> <laughs> he basically turned into Matt Patricia throughout the season, and uh, I, don't I, know I don't know how it happened. Um, I don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in, playing shape, what his arm is going to look like. Has he really started to fall off the back end of, of that cliff? Does he have the arm talent left? I don't know. I think that there's too many questions. And if it's not a healthy Ben Roethlisberger, which is how you have to be rating him is with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger for him to be a dynasty wide receiver one. What is the next planet quarterback? Because it's not duck Hodges. It's certainly not, um,
0: Mason Rudolph.
2: Thank you. It's not Mason Rudolph. Um, by the way, uh, Garrett is back in the league. Yep, Thank yep. you very much. Um, six games, he said. Yes, Six games. Um, but it's not those two guys, at least not yet. What's their long-term plan at quarterback? I don't know. Obviously, every situation that we've talked about on this entire podcast has brought up the free agent quarterback market. They might explore an option there. I don't know. But um, I'm really concerned with his ability to operate as the team's wide receiver one. I don't know if he can separate from those lockdown corners on the other end, that game plan to take him out of it. So Got it. that's my case.
1: You want this? Or you want me to go? Go. Oh, okay. Whew. All right. Juju Smith-Schuster broke out at the age of 21 years old in the NFL Dude, I am 28, and I get so freaking sore in the mornings, like walking around, getting out of bed, working out, so sore afterwards. The dude was 21 years old, absolutely dominating the NFL. And, John, you mentioned his age. He's 23 now. So, you know, he is um, a couple years in the league. But at 23 years old, the sky is the freaking limit with this dude. And you could tell me Ben Roethlisberger plays two more years. That's fine. I'm taking Juju as a top 10 dynasty wide receiver in that case. And they'll have a couple of years to figure it out at the quarterback. Now you mentioned, you know, is, can he be a wide receiver one for this team? The answer for me is yes, because of the fact that Deontay Johnson is going to take a step forward. He's a very good wide receiver. James Washington can stretch the field. He is a good wide receiver. Mm -hmm. So does Juju need to be the outside alpha one? I don't think so. And if those two guys can step forward, Ben's back healthy for another year or two, You know, Juju can rebound and really can be a stud. The things that I've seen on tape with him in his first two seasons in the NFL, I have zero concerns about him being a long-term asset in Dynasty. If you're asking me, do I have a little bit of short-term pause with what's going on at quarterback? Yeah, of course. You know, We want to see these guys have a quarterback that's 25 and a freaking stud. But yeah, I mean, Juju, I'm going to bet on talent. I'm going to bet on his production so far and still 23 years old.
2: I get that. I'm just one quick rebuttal on that. His breakout at 21 years old was with one of the best wide receivers in the history of the game on the other side of the field. In prime Antonio Brown. I almost
1: forgot about that guy. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Has he been in the media? I'm not sure. (laughs) Absolutely off his rocker now. But in his prime, you were talking about a potential first ballot Hall of Fame wide receiver. The numbers, the production that he was putting up, the coverage that was skewing his way. Yeah, you could have... I don't even know who could possibly work on the opposite. Adam Humphreys probably would have broken out across (laughs) from Antonio Brown. (laughs) Antonio Brown was dominating defenses in his prime. So that has to be a factor. I'm concerned. I love Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he's great. I think he's super talented. I don't hate him as a dynasty wide receiver, but I'm not taking him as a dynasty wide receiver once.
0: Yeah, I think the main issue here is we haven't seen uh, Juju in a situation with a normal team around him, in the sense that, to John's point, he had Antonio Brown in the season that he was one of the best receivers in the league on his own, uh, Juju that is, along with AB being the best receiver in the league that that year. Um, And then this season, we saw him with not only no viable wide receivers on the other side, but no decent quarterback play, and no running game. They did not have a great running game because, as we mentioned earlier, Connor was injured, backups were meh, Um, so it was the complete opposite. So it's kind of hard to assess what to make of what Juju will do with an average situation, and for me, I kind of just feel like, in that sense, I just fall back to looking just at Juju, just at what I know he can do, and when it comes down to that, that's why I lean towards what Betts is saying, which is, this guy is a beastly talent. Like uh, if we counted out, if we, I don't remember if we did or not, because I was probably too young, but when Julio Jones came into the league and he was dominating early and it was because, because Roddy white was on the other side or Randy Moss with Chris Carter or or name any other group like that. If you had just said, well, he's just doing this because he has a great receiver on the other side. You would have been partially right because it probably did inflate his numbers, but you also would have been duped in a dynasty league if you had given up on him because you thought that guy was now gone and there was no chance for him. So I think you just have to look at him because we haven't seen him in an average situation and evaluate him on him alone. And I think the talent is there. I do think big Ben is there for a couple more years and I will be honest, I'd rather have Joe Burrow than two years of big Ben and whatever they have behind him right now. So in that sense, I actually like the Bengals situation more than the Steelers situation. Uh, So that does give me a little bit of pause, but he, Juju's so young that if they can't figure it out there, he can go to another team in 4 years, still be 26, hitting his prime and still be a great dynasty receiver for you for another 5 years.
1: Yeah, definitely good points on both sides of the argument there. Uh that was a good fun back and forth discussion there on Juju. Definitely a polarizing player in dynasty. I mean, you know, 2 years ago you looked at this guy's rookie season and you you think he's a lock for just absolutely being a top 3 player in the league and now we don't know. There's question marks, but Okada and I are high on him. John is not. We'll see what happens here over the next you know, couple of years. But, fellas, it's my turn. I'm on the hot seat. Okada, let's mm. pick one of the two players on the dock. We're running low on time, so we'll just pick one here and then we can close oh. out the show. Oh. But give me, uh, give me the guy that you think I'm a little bit too high or too low on.
0: Okay, well, I was prepping for the first guy, but I, I can't leave the second guy off the show. So we're going to talk <laughs> about DK Metcalf. I mean, those abs, those biceps, (laughs) that nose fear thing. What more can you ask for? Uh, No, but in all seriousness, DK Metcalf was possibly the most polarizing prospect we have had. That was a lot of peas Coming out of the combine and, and into the draft process last year in I don't even know how long. Possibly my whole time playing fantasy football or watching fantasy football players or anything like that. Um, it was basically, and we talked about it that offseason uh, It was two sides of the fence. Either you think he's going to be a complete bust, garbage Dorial Green Beckham, or you think he's going to be the next Calvin Johnson. And there was a lot of talk, uh, but in the dynasty community, of oh well, we'll just sit in the middle. We don't really know what's going to happen. <laughs> and I remember saying to Bets, Bets, listen, man, you just got to pick a side, all right? He's not going to be in the middle. He's going to be one of the sides, and I'm getting on the side of Calvin Johnson. Now, I don't actually think he's going to be Calvin Johnson. <laughs> But he came out and shredded the league. He was dominant. Yards, touchdowns, big plays. Uh, He ran comeback routes. I don't care if he can't run, you know, an incredible dig or, you know, the, the sickest out you've ever seen or the most amazing stop and go. He doesn't need to when he's that big and that fast. And we saw it translate onto the field in his rookie season. He's got Russell Wilson as his quarterback. That sure sounds nice. I've heard a lot of talk tonight about liking, uh, you know, to have a solid, uh, decently young quarterback locked in for the future. That seems like that might be the case. He's got a great team around him. He's got a good receiver on the other side in Tyler Lockett. I'm a little confused, Bets, why you have him at wide receiver 28, while John has him at wide receiver 18 and me at 22. And after this speech that I just gave on the spot, I'm going to have to move him up probably, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so, Ben, I ask you, dude, are you nuts?
1: John, you'll get used to this. Okada is a frequent live adjuster of his rankings. It's it's quite fun. Um, usually he hits the breaking news drop and then adjusts his ranks. Uh, I, I say, might be nuts. I might bring
2: be. up his three-cone drill time, at all <laughs> in this segment, I'm just standing up and leaving.
1: <laughs> no, John, you're, you're too good of a dude to, to not have her on the podcast, so I will not bring up his three-cone. But for me, you know, and I will say this up front, I could easily see a scenario where I move DK up this offseason. I mean, Russell Wilson is talking about trying to get the offense to be a little bit more up-tempo. But until I see differently from Brian Schottenheimer, I mean, they are going to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball. And in today's NFL, I mean, I want volume players. That's kind of the type of dynasty player I am. And DK is certainly not that. I want a player who's going to give me five receptions a game, six receptions a game have the upside of eight or nine or 10 receptions a game. And DK is going to be three or four for maybe 60 to 80 a game and a, a potential score potentially. And, and certainly there's room to grow. i got a space right now. Is amazing. <laughs> certainly there's room to grow. And I'm not saying I don't want DK on my roster, but I'm not the type of player that wants these like, you know, all or nothing type of guys. And last year we saw a lot of DK, beating guys deep. And the the Seattle Seahawks were awesome in the way they used him. They said, okay, DK, this is your strength. Go do it. And Russell Wilson is a freaking baller. But they will not unleash Russ. Let Russ cook. And until they let Russ cook, I can't put DK up that high.
2: I'm getting let Russ cook tattooed on my arm. I (laughs) I hate Schottenheimer with a passion. They just need to let... Russ, call the entire game. Just let him go out there and call it from the field. Just field general. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, dude. I mean,
1: honestly, like if you would tell me Russ is going to get six to eight more pass times per game, DK is going up at least four or five spots for me. But I mean, they just they don't throw the ball at a high enough clip and they don't really let him run the offense the way it should. I mean, Chris Carson now serious hip injury. Rashad Penny ACL like running back concerns out the wazoo. And the offensive line is still a concern. So what they should do is pass the ball a ton. Will they? I don't know. And that's where I'm at with DK. And honestly, the the Seattle offense as a whole.
0: So here's the thing, Betts. I think you're kind of making the argument here. And the tough part of making this argument is you do have to sort of appeal to the intelligence of head coaches, offensive coordinators, and general managers in the National Football League, which is not always ideal. However... I think that the Seahawks are a smart enough organization that they are going to, in the very near future, come to the realization that they have one of, if not honestly, the best quarterback in the league in just straight winning games. Like, Patrick Mahomes, yes, he's up there. But you know what? That's it. I'm not taking anyone else besides Patrick Mahomes ahead of Russell Wilson as my quarterback. And I think that they're going to real- realize that. They won a Super Bowl with an incredible defense and a Marshawn Lynch, and then they have thought that that will work for the rest of time, and it hasn't. And I think that at some point they're going to have to realize it because if they don't, the fan base is going to start to say, "Uh, hey, we all bandwagoned when you were doing a great job, and now you're not, so we're out. (laughs) And then the GM is going to say, hey, guys, can we get these fans back, please, by maybe letting our best player play the game of football that he is meant to play? The Seahawks are gonna to start to let Russ cook. I feel like it's gonna happen. And for that reason, because that's the only thing that's really holding DK back, now is the time to get him when they still aren't letting him cook, because if they finally let him cook, the the last little bar to holding him down is broken and he's incredible. So yes, you have to project to that, but I would rather project to that now than wait for it to actually happen and lose the value.
2: So okay, my turn. This is my team. These are my people. <laughs> I am and have been my entire life, so let me talk. So, Doug Baldwin was a wide receiver one for what four straight years. Yep, right in the same offense with a younger Russell Wilson before Russell Wilson has shown what he can do. Russell Wilson just signed a fatty contract; he's not going anywhere. They're going to let him throw the ball. This was year one with a ridiculous physical specimen of a wide receiver figuring out the game and what he did as a rookie looks pretty freaking good. What he's going to do year two, year three, I am all in on. Give me all of the DK Metcalf shares as possible. He is more than just a go route wide receiver, which is what everyone was knocking him for coming out of college that he can only run the nine route, jump all deep. That's all he can do. As the season went on, his route tree got way wider They started lining him up on both sides of the field in different formations, even in the slot. Some his ability to run routes that are outbreaking improved a bunch. I think that DK Metcalf has all the tools in the toolbox to be a physical freak of a wide receiver. That is quickly becoming Russell Wilson's go-to guy instead of being Tyler Lockett. I really think that is going to overtake that. Yeah. Metcalf's overtaking that within two years in this next year the year two for this wide receiver he's a thousand yards plus in eight to ten eight to ten touchdowns i I think that that's what we're looking at for for dk mcf year two so yeah i'm in give me that as a wide receiver two on my team or maybe even a flex play all day long
1: fellas that was fun, man. We had a lot of good conversation there. Uh, I feel like I got bullied into moving DK up my ranks. We'll see. Check the check the website. Uh, but like I said, man, if they let Russ throw the ball, I can't argue with you guys. That's really the knock on it is just like, do they let him do it or not? And if they don't, they're doing their themselves a disservice. Honestly, Russ is top three quarterback in the league. No, no question. Um, but man, that was fun. Lots of good conversation about dynasty ranks players that us three we are higher on than most or lower on than most and you know you know as a as an owner in your league you have to decide where you're at on that fence and hopefully we can make you make that decision uh to be a better dynasty player all right fellas we are over an hour so we got to get out of here okada let the people know where they can find you on twitter
0: you can find me at matt okada on twitter send me all your tyler boyd takes and uh send both uh john and i your dk metcalf takes because we will lap them up
2: yep
1: and, John, where can the people find you?
2: At JCW Helm Camp. Uh, still have not changed that to a Jules reference. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, over there, bring it on. Let's talk. If you have trade questions, if you want to talk about values, all in. Let's start breaking down the rookies. It's coming up. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And John's been crushing those running back profiles. You can find those on the website at redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. I am, of course, at the Fantasy PT. The show account is at RedShirtsFFPod. You can find us, of course, on YouTube, uh, as well as all your social media accounts. Check us out there. We are back next week. Until then, we are the Red Shirts.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at redshirtsffpod and check out our website, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com.